Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Dad's Divorce, Men's Divorce podcast videocast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and managing partner of Cordell and Cordell. We continue to bring you topics related to guys facing divorce before, during, and after, and all issues related to family law in today's no different. Uh, today, we're going to talk about relocation, which come summer uh, always seems to be a hot topic. We see more of a spike in relocation cases around the country, and I'm joined by Trey today. Uh, welcome, Trey. Thank you, Scott. And as always, before we get started and talk a little bit about this, um, make sure that we know that this isn't legal advice. It's is educational, informational. We want you to write down these topics and uh, use them for a consultation with an attorney. And obviously, we are available if you need one at 866-DADS-LAW, 866-DADS-LAW, or on the web at cordellcordell.com. So, Trey, let's talk a little bit about it. Um, it's kind of one of the issues that uh, I've seen in my practice always seem to face in June, July, and as we approach the, the, the kind of the scrambling in August for perhaps registration, if we have it in, during COVID, of kids in schools and moms and dads may move across the county, may move across the state. And uh, I can, obviously uh, in Tennessee, it's a little bit different with the changes in the law is my understanding. So maybe you can talk a little bit about um, the kind of the pre-change and the post-change. So guys listening and watching right now, know what that cutoff date was and what the changes are. Let's talk about that kind of pre, pre-change uh, relocation and what that means. All right, so the statute in Tennessee changed for any actions filed after July 1st, 2018. Problem is it's actions that were filed before that date, so some actions could, in theory, still be going on that are still using the old statute. And most people's parenting plans in place now are still going to have that old statutory language. In addition, the state forms that we use for parenting plans still have not been updated, so a lot of attorneys are neglecting to go through and manually change uh, the statute to reflect the new language. And so, you know, people might be under the guise that, you know, we're still adhering to these old rules. And even if, you know, the parenting plan says one thing, the new statute still applies. Um, and so while the basic notice requirements haven't changed at all, um, so our statute basically entails that the parent who's relocating has to provide notice of their intent to move, not when they're going to move, when they would like to move, within 60 days of that intended move. Uh, they have to serve the other parent by certified mail or a process server. Um, the other parent has to be uh, noticed that they have a right to object to that uh, request within 30 days um, before the other parent can move. And they also have to provide where they plan to move and the reasons behind that relocation. Um, so typically before uh, this new statute went to place, it kind of depended on how much parenting time you had based on what the court would do. So they had a, two groups. One, they would view as you had the substantial intervals of parenting time, both parents did. And that, that was not a bright line rule as to what those amount of days were, but it's, a, it's somewhere in the ballpark of 155 days for the non-primary parent. So very close to a 50-50 parenting schedule. What the statute did was it removed that language of substantial intervals to any interval of time. Um, so if you had a substantial interval of time, the courts leaned towards allowing the relocation. Um, now they would make the relocating parents show that the relocation was reasonable for a reasonable purpose, that it didn't pose a serious threat of harm for the child and, it, and, the, and the threat of harm was not, um, excuse me, the serious threat of harm to the child outweighed the threat of harm to the child by simply a change of custody. 
Um, and if those were sufficiently shown, the court generally allowed relocation. Um, now, if they had substantially equal intervals of time that they spent with the child, then it was no, no predisposition was favored for or against the move. And it was simply a best interest determination like we'd see in most of our custody determinations. Um, so where it changes to now, it put more of the burden on the relocating parent. Um, they now have to be the one to initiate the petition. Before, as a matter of law, if the other parent didn't file a petition in opposition, after 30 days, the, by, as a matter of law, the relocating parent could move. Well, now, if the parties have not entered into an agreement, mm. then the relocating parent must file a petition requesting the court to allow the move. But then the burden shifts back to the non-relocating parent to file a response to that petition in opposition. And what it typically turns into is simply a custody modification uh, case, because most more times than not, the parents go, has a new job or, or a new home, and they're, they're going to move, and we got to figure out how to make this work. Um, so it's now, a huge benefit, right? I mean, now that they, for the responding parent, um, albeit in every relocation case, there's always these time deadlines that people have to abide by, and now the responding, it's just a default. If you don't agree, you can just sit around and wait for them to file. Is that the new law? So, so you still you provide the same notice to the other parent, not a pleading with the right. court of your your intent. And if after thirty days they haven't responded, then the relocating parent must file a petition with the court, absent you know an agreement that's been filed with the court, and then they have thirty days to respond. Now, after thirty days, which would be sixty days after that notice, then as a matter of law, the relocating parent can move uh, if the non-relocating parent just ignores the entire thing. Got it. It's more like, you know, you get defaulted like in other actions. That can happen with this as well. And um, so let me ask you, in Missouri, uh, it's always been the question early when the relocation statutes went into play, was it applies to both what we would call non-custodial and custodial parents rather than uh, move anywhere? Correct. Or? Any parent moving more than 50 miles away from the other parent must file this notice. Now, it typically... If, this, if, the, if the one parent's only receiving every other weekend and they're not moving a long way away, most of the time it's not going to have an effect on the actual parenting schedule. Our, our, our standard, I guess, uh, alternate parent schedules are every other weekend. And so if they're just moving a couple hours away, that can still happen for the most part. Um, where it comes into play and it, and it really uh, causes a lot of issues is when that can't happen and we're going to have to enter a long-distance parenting schedule where the time's going to be more minimized, and that's when people want to fight back, um, especially considering, like you said, these generally will pop up in April, May, June, yeah. in anticipation for the next school year, and you really have a finite amount of time where you got to get this resolved. And, and it so does that seem really puts pressure on everybody. The 50-mile thing is really interesting. It's not something you know you see a lot around the country. Um, you know, you could have a parent, a mom, saying, "Okay, I'm going to find a place that's 49.8 miles away." Right. And it still could impact. Let's say you have equal time. I mean, right. a fifty. You know, let's just take Nashville traffic. That's not going to. That's not going to be forty nine minutes, right? Right. Because the whole logic behind that is anything greater than fifty miles, the court kind of feels that well, that's not really fair to the child, especially during the school year, to have them commute back and forth that long on a, mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Um, and so. Even, but even then, right, Nashville, I mean, you can be right at that 50-mile mark, and you're talking about an hour and a half plus of the right. each way commute. So that can still, you know, present a, a problem. Uh, and a lot of parents will argue different things and have different calculations as to the distance. Some are like, well, it's how the bird flies. Well, that mm -hmm. doesn't really accommodate the parent actually driving on a road that can't yeah. fly. 
Um, so typically the courts will use the reasonable distance in a car from one place to the other. Uh, now, if they're already in a, in a long distance situation, it can get kind of hairy with that because they're already living greater than 50 miles apart. And so generally speaking, the, the plan isn't going to change. So are there, uh, I mean, I guess the guys who are faced with such a situation that's under 50 miles, just barely, they, I mean, I assume they can still file a motion to modify. It just isn't right. necessarily a relocation objection, right? Correct. Correct. And, 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 you know, the court can treat that as a material change of circumstance that, that you know, will require that the, the plan be modified. And that's our, our normal burden and modifications. Um, this is just a special area. Um, and I think they put these restrictions on it because, you know, parents can't wait out a, a six plus month custody modification to move, especially if they've got a job waiting on, on them or a house that they're under contract to buy. We need, they need answers quickly. Um, but sometimes when courts get backed up, that's not always possible. And it really, really does uh, put them behind the eight ball to get it done. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. So is the standard you said the same for a general, let's just say, custody change? Is it a best interest or is it substantial change in circumstances? It, it's, it's, it's still, so with the, the relocation, it is a best interest. They do have factors that they list out. There are fewer factors that they consider than in a, in a normal uh, custody determination, but most of the basics and, and most important factors are still there. Um, right. They want to make sure that a parent's not vindictively moving to uh, negatively impact other parents time with the right. child that's a that's a big one um and they want to make sure you know there's a, a lot of children that are you know have doctors here or other extended family here that it could pose a, a threat of harm to the child so that's that's important to the court as well but those are also factors that are taken into account in really any custody action in tennessee and every every custody determination we have also has any other factor being relevant by the court so really anything is fair game um in these types of cases so, you know, guys are, you know, faced with it, they're listening or watching right now, and they're, you know, they're asking, well, she just is moving to be closer to a boyfriend. Uh, you know, what is it, what is that level of proof? We know we talked best interest, but what is it typically the court's going to look at specifically when deciding to approve a relocation? I mean, remarriage is, is somewhat expected uh, mm -hmm. a lot of times, and that's not an a unreasonable reason to want to move. Uh, that I've had that issue come up. It wasn't a long way away, but it was several counties over that made the, mm -hmm. I, I believe they had close to a 50-50 parenting schedule and it just wasn't feasible. Um, and so, you know, we tried to maximize our guy's time as much as we possibly could, um, you know, because she had a, a legitimate reason um, to, to move. And, you know, it, it, unreasonable would be, you know, they're just moving for the sake of moving. They want to change the scenery. Um, you know, if, if they sought out the move, just to be further away, that's a problem. If they mm -hmm. got a job offer out of thin air that they weren't expecting and it required a relocation, well, that's that's a legitimate purpose. It's not a, a given that move is going to be allowed. Um, but the court, you know, 
will either deny or grant these things. And then, you know, if the parents still want to relocate, if it's denied, they have to, they, they, they must yeah. modify it. Um, and then if they, if they do allow the, the uh, relocation, they do everything they can to maximize the other parents' time. And in these yeah. long distance plans, that usually means getting most of the summer, you know, and, and probably more holidays than they would otherwise. I try to, if I can, for, for distances that are drivable, you know, three, four hours, I try to squeeze in a weekend per month, if at all possible. And most parents are agreeable. They understand that they're the ones seeking to minimize other parents' parenting time. So they don't have as much leverage as they would in, yeah. a, in a normal parenting action. Do, um, I know I've done this before. I've, I've actually called experts to compare the school districts and you know, say that you know, the, the current school district that the child's in is far better than where they're moving. Is that something that comes into play in your parenting? It does. Um, it does, especially here in Williamson County. We have arguably the best school district in the state, and yeah. that, that had, does come up where they compare school districts. Well, he should stay with me because the school's much better. You're right. um, but like we all see and kind of why we exist, you know, mothers always have that inherent bias towards them that they're supposed to be the primary parent. And they're supposed to lead the charge on these things. But there are you know, situations where that, that's not true. Um, so that does, that does come up uh, very frequently they'll take evidence such as, you know, test scores, college placements, et cetera. What about um, the wishes of the child? You know, you know, you, let's say you have a teenage child. Does that come into play? Yeah, it does. Uh, if the child is 12 years of age or older, their preference, they, they don't get to pick, but their, mm -hmm. their opinions uh, can be heard and considered. Yeah. Well, it's like in Missouri, I, you know, the, the wishes of the child, it's the last consideration in all the factors in custody. And I try to, in Georgia, it's a little bit different um, where I'm licensed, but Missouri, it's just, we always say it's, yeah, it's considered, but it is the very last factor. Is that right. kind of similar? And a lot of, you, you, right. And a lot of parents think, you know, they, they, they read what they want to read and they, they, they think, oh, well, my kid's 12 years old. He can pick now, right? Well, no, yeah. I mean, the court will weigh that with the other factors in, in their determination, but they don't just get to choose because they're still children and the courts mm -hmm. make those decisions, not children. So when guys are objecting, um, we always talk, lawyers talk about burdens, you know, who has the burden of proof? Is it meaning like who's responsible? Does a guy have to disprove or show reasons why the parent should relocate or is the burden on the relocating parent under the current law? The burden is always going to be on the relocating parent, um, but that the, the what the new statute helped out was it shifts that burden even heavier in favor of them to show, you know, based on the best interest of the child, this move should happen. Um, yeah. Before, you know, it, it the burden was so low to, to meet for a relocating parent if they had the majority of the time, they kind of deferred towards relocation absent, you know, exigent circumstances. And so while the, it may have been actually technically been the burden of the relocating parent, it didn't really operate like that. Yeah. And I think that was some of the cause of the change in, in the statute itself was it was unfairly prejudicing the, the party that wasn't even causing this to happen. And I have to think, you know, if for many years, you know, uh, I can tell you 10, 12, 15 years ago, I tried a case objecting to relocation and their position uh, on the relocating parent was, that they could have a continuing and meaningful relationship with their child via internet, via FaceTime or via video, which was Skype at the time. And, you know, the courts didn't buy it. You know, this was quite a while ago, right? What I fear now is with COVID-19 and the prevalence of Zoom, 
and we're having Zoom happy hours, we're Zooming our family and around the country, that courts are going to look at that as a good replacement for in-person custody. Are, are you hearing anything about that? Well, fortunately, our courts kind of nip that a lot of that in the bud right at the beginning of these shutdowns. And they said, look, absent a court order saying otherwise, y'all are to follow your parenting schedule as it states in your schedule. Um, now, there have been a lot of attorneys, because we have no precedent for this, right? And so a lot of members of the bar are, are trying to figure out ways to kind of get around this. Well, what if the parents want to travel to Florida? They've got a huge surge in cases right now. Yeah. Um, so. You know, there's petitions that people are filing, um, emergency petitions, but as far as custody, uh, our executive orders, all the ones we've had, have specifically addressed, you know, when would it be appropriate to restrict uh, those kind of transfers and exchanges of a child or children, and we have not ever been under such a mandate here, um, so I don't really have any insight as to how that would really work. Um, now. Some parents are agreeing to do that because they both are concerned about what's going on and they want right. to limit, you know, the, the back and forth. Um, but as far as you know, the orders, if, if they can't come to that agreement, then they're expected to follow their current schedule still. Good. So, you know, kind of wrapping up in our time, you know, I think that the takeaway for guys from at least from what I'm thinking and get your thoughts are obviously all is not lost when you get presented with a, a, a you know, a request to relocate. The, the burden sounds, at least in Tennessee, and it is in Missouri, is pretty significant, pretty high standard, and there are steps that uh, the, the mom or custodial parent may have to prove. And secondly, and most importantly, there are deadlines, typically, especially if they file. Just like anything else, guys should make sure that they seek counsel, right? That they need to respond timely, prepare, and, and meet with their counsel. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it bare minimum, if you receive one of these notices, um, you know, you at least want to file a notice with the court, even if it's not a form of pleading that you object to the relocation. Yeah. If you want to fight it, you know, you've got a really small window of time and, and you've got to get something in to stop it. Because um, if you don't do that, you might find yourself losing before you even get started. Yeah. I mean, there's some strategic things to wrap it up. There's some strategic things about to avoid even. You know, I've talked about guys uh, I've seen where I've been the relocator and then the other side objected but also sought to reduce child support to our client. And I, and I use that as a play that it's all about the money and not about the custody. So, you know, strategy and positioning is key here for guys that are doing this. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, Trey. This is great stuff because, you know, it's so uh, right on point in the time and, and we're in that season of relocation and the, a lot of questions for guys and it's very complicated and complex, and especially the timing and the burden, especially in Tennessee with the new law. Uh, yep. If you're a guy out there in Tennessee and uh, this new law and this new change may affect you, uh, get a consult with somebody who exclusively practices in family law like we do. Uh, and you can reach Trey at 866-DADS-LAW and get a consult set up. And just find out. You can do it virtually, telephonically, or in person where appropriate, and making sure we uh, keep health and safety as a priority. So thanks for joining us today, Trey. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Scott. And as always, you can find us on the web at cordellcordell.com. Uh, next month in August, tune in to our virtual town hall. You can find our July town hall on the web at cordellcordell.com or on our YouTube page uh, at Cordell Cordell YouTube page as well. Again, 866-DADS-LAW if you want to reach out to us and have a, a consultation with us. Otherwise, until next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you then.